Go. Go. It's been busted wide open. What has? Again? The whole whole thing. Elon Musk. The the whole thing. Elon Musk has saved the day. He's the second coming of Jesus. (coughs) He's a tech coming of Jesus. He's AI Jesus. Yes. Yeah. In case ever, um, I was thinking about this. You know, I know it's 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 part of the limitations um, of you know the world and the way the world works and stuff. But there's, I wonder how many people actually know what percentage of the Western. First of all, it's not the world, right? The no. world doesn't know any. The world you can't talk about the world knowing about things. The world only knows about like Armageddon. It knows about the war in Ukraine. It knows about, and then after that, maybe, that's it. They know a bit about Trump. COVID. They know, they know about COVID, COVID, right, global stuff. But other than that, it's like down to um, local stuff in your country, local environment and in your country. That's what the vast majority of the population of the world actually concern themselves with. The stuff that we talk about in the West, first of all, it's comp- compartmentalized into the West, right? So we were English-speaking, not just the West, but English-speaking West. Because how many French people, you know, how many Spanish people are aware even people who are active are aware in other languages if they don't speak the language are they going to really bother much you know so i'm just think, thinking about the number of people on the globe who like we talk about busted wide open big story this week here we're gonna yeah, say we're gonna say it every uh, big story this week on you know global significance and stuff that's and why I, i'm partly saying it tongue-in-cheek yeah. it's also i'm trying to reflect what everyone else who has a podcast but, of any description and a twitter account right. is also saying right. but they feel it's that important and but, big. That said, so very, very few people, relatively, in terms of 8 billion people on the planet, are actually aware of what we're talking about when yeah. we say, big story this week. They're like, what? Big what story were? Who? I didn't hear anything about them. So, well, then they expect you to but explain why it is. Well, no, they wouldn't be listening to this, right? So what I'm saying is, <laughs> vast majority of people aren't listening to right. anybody in, in the OS. Talk, you know, who's got the... I mean, how many people know who... Probably a lot of people know who Elon Musk is, but still, they're not following on Twitter, you know? Um, so anyway... Uh, that said, it does have, you could say that it does have import for, indirectly, for everybody on the planet, in a certain sense. If you look at it from a macro level, from a broad scale, geopolitics and global power dynamics, yeah. it may have knock-on indirect well, implications these for things, everybody. Yeah, th- there's, it's not as simple as um, 51% majority rules as it is ostensibly in democracies once you hit 51 percent that's it 51 percent of what well ideally you would get greater than 51 percent participation anyone who voted at all and then of those and so on so a quorum a quorum is a majority of people to participate in something a vote or a discussion or whatever right but it's not that simple in um information world in in the information war here's some stats right until 2014 the single largest, by far, by far, watch news channel on YouTube was RT versus Today. Mm. Over a billion views at that point of their video uploads. Mm. That's partly because they were on first and they were smart, um, and the others were lacking, I suppose. Mm. In their, they were they were used to their uh, their lion's share from corporate advertising, mainstream contracts to uh, to air you know, cable and news satellite channels and so on mm-hmm. but it's also partly um, because people wanted that people 
in the West and beyond. What were the metrics and the breakdown? Mm. I don't know. But Hillary Clinton spoke about it while mm. she was Secretary of State. She brought it up. Probably most of the people in the room in Congress, when she talked about it and complained that this RT upstart has a big share. I don't know what percentages she gave. Uh, and we need to watch out for it and counter it and so on. Mm. Her Most people in the room were like... Probably the first time they'd heard about Russia today, or at least the Americans, yeah. But yes. it has a global reach, a but global audience. She, for whatever instinctive, smart, cunning reasons, she knew that this was the beginning of a problem, even though it's only a dip, you know, a drop in the ocean hmm. of total information reach. Still today, by any metrics, I think I'm pretty sure you could guarantee that English-speaking Anglo-American, especially and maybe European, add the Germans and the French with their news reach as well. They saturate the globe, including in the, in the uh, non-Western world. Their news gets around the world fastest. Everyone from here to Timbuktu is talking about Tom Cruise f faster and his movie or something happened to a celebrity faster than they are about regional in matters that are of importance, say, a development in Indonesia or something that people there should know about. They will eventually mm. get to hear about it. But first, they're all <laughs> going to hear about Tom Cruise and his opinion. I'm using an example. You know mm. what I mean? A celebrity, mm. a Western celebrity. That's total market saturation. The Russians haven't made a, a dent in that. And yet, and yet, the system in the West was hypersensitive 2014 already to countering this RT Mm. and Sputnik News and others. Mm. Today, it's still the same thing. They still only have a drop in the ocean of the market share of these massive Western media co companies and corporates like News Corp, Murdoch's New Corp. You mean RT does, yeah. Yeah, only a drop in the ocean. But the European Union has banned them. Mm. They are banned in Europe. Totally. It's no longer like counter them, diss them, trash them, downgrade them, yeah. try and... They're not allowed to broadcast, you Don't mean. let people follow them. Yeah. They just are well, not... The website, they have been kicked well, out. Well, the website's available. Okay, website. But website, but not, broadcast not broadcasting, yeah. Uh, on, on into into uh, hotels and that kind of stuff. You know, basically, uh, like satellite satellite channels. Okay, so, so what? Well, it, it's only... It's only a small um, set of opinions... But for some reason, the system sort of instinctively knows that even that has potential nonlinear effects on swaying a, the views of a much greater number than well, it that they have than they have on paper. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I don't know how it works. I think it's probably it was not. Maybe, it was maybe a bit more simplistic than that. They they wanted a monopoly. They had a large, mostly a monopoly. Western media had a monopoly on the media and you know on information basically and not just in in europe but and in english but in in many um other languages and many many other countries you know around the world like the bbc world service and and other um major kind of corporate or government media outlets in in the western world had uh, had a, you know going back a long time had a had a, a large reach you know but they struggled a little bit with the digitization of the you know the internet and all that kind of stuff and they were a bit slow in that respect but they they were they were okay uh, in terms of picking up on it and uh, and pushing forward but i think the benefit that the advantage or the the appeal of rt that rt actually had and what they felt threatened by was the fact that rt gave a separate uh, a different opinion because you ha you know you had the same story basically the same narrative the same worldview coming from western media that's over and over and over again and rt comes along 
and starts giving a different perspective. Uh, and I mean, I remember roughly the their kind of video channels, you know, the video RT's video channel roughly would go and just film different areas and wouldn't really comment on it, wouldn't much of a slant on it, would be more objective uh, reporting from the scene of anything that was going on. And I think that was a big part of their appeal and while they got a lot of traction and got a lot of viewers simply because they provided an alternative viewpoint and maybe and arguably in some situations a more objective viewpoint to Western Western reporting on, on affairs. You know, I mean Western media were by definition, by the nature of the beast, were like, you know, we're the golden billion, we rule the world. You know, it was largely Anglo American, America first, European first, and here's here's how the world works, you know. Uh, like your man recently borrowed, you know, it's a jungle out there in Europe's garden. You know, I mean, that's a, you know, that, he didn't come up with that today. You know, that's like, that's that's in his mind, in the mind of people like him for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think pe- there, was a, there, was a, there was certainly a space there for someone to come along and say, hang on a minute, you know, it's not all about the West is best. It's not all Western dominated. You know, there, there's a different perspective on it, or maybe a more objective perspective on it where you don't actually put your Western slant on stuff. You simply report what's happening more cleanly, you know. And I think that's why they, RT and, and some other Russian news sites were got very popular, and also because why they were a threat to the, to the West, they were seen as a threat. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it sounds. I'm just saying that just nonchalantly. Yeah, they saw it as a threat because they wanted to dominate and want their message to be first and foremost in people's minds. And yeah, that sounds like censorship and kind of you know information dictatorship. Yeah, that's what it was, unfortunately. Um, and when a group, a group of people like that or uh, who hold that, that ideology suddenly see that someone is pushing into their turf, they're like going to push back against it. Hence, okay, bye-bye, RT. Uh, yeah. But anyway, how do we get on to that? I don't know. What did we start talking about? Uh, Elon Musk busking, busting it wide open. Right. So Elon Musk busting it wide open. How many people know about what he busted wide open? Did he bust anything wide open? Does who well, cares? he gave some stats recently. Yeah. He's he's revealing how much of a how many people have active Twitter accounts um, and so on, mm. and where they live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's overwhelmingly the US, yeah, and Europe, um, and mainly the US. Yeah, a hundred and something million people, one hundred and twenty-five million have, or is it even less, have active accounts, or have uh, is that total number of accounts? Mm. And only a, only like a fifth of those actively use Twitter, you know. Yeah, at least another third are bots or fake accounts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's, it's a small conversation, but it's a small conversation among you know the Twitterati, among the elite, right? Yeah. In quotes, the people who are asked to follow the news and to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Remember also a lot of Twitter conversations uh, are about football, sports, se- most, sex, and most celebrity. Of them. So it's 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 a small group of a small group of small and so on. Yeah. But even then, it, it's it's it, what's most interesting is the reaction it draws from the the powerful, mm-hmm. those who have just they should be just ignoring. You think they'd be above all this, but no, they are on it. They have been for ten years to control this thing, mm-hmm. especially since twenty sixteen fake mm-hmm. news and all that stuff. So here we are. Um, we've basically got confirmation this week <coughs> from Elon Musk himself, who doxed, I, dox is the wrong word, who publicly released what he called the Twitter files, yeah. hinting uh, strongly, in fact, suggesting, conclusively proving, can I say that, um, that the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story just prior to the 2020 election was indeed, you know, 
a collusion of censorship to interfere with the election by American, not Russian or Chinese agents. Right. And that those agents are all, well, in this case, they're all certainly all biased towards the Democratic Party. And the, they wanted to ensure that they got the outcome that they mm. wanted, that they, that they got, mm -hmm. Joe Biden as president. Mm -hmm. um, so there was election interference. I mean, people have to make a distinction between election interference or election rigging or something like that. This isn't talking about any kind of actual direct uh, right, messing with the votes. This is about interference a la the Russian, alleged Russian interference, which has been proven, long since been proven to be completely false, was made up by the, um, well, the same people who, who we're talking about now, the intelligencies, the establishment intelligencies, who really are the people who run America and have done for a very long time. And the kind of Washington establishment political clique, which is certainly in the context of Trump, obviously was predominantly Democrat, uh, that those people conspired with social media, not just Twitter, this is just Twitter's representation of it, but conspired with social media platforms like Twitter, like Facebook and others to um, suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, which was just came out a few weeks, I think, uh, or maybe only a few days, I don't know. And it was a short period of time before the actual election uh, to suppress it, called it uh, Russian disinformation, a Russian disinformation campaign. In fact, Elon Musk is on record, and we can play that in a minute, actually. Elon, or it's not Elon Musk. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is on record as having said that the FBI came to them, and, and he assumes to other social media platforms, came to Facebook and said, listen, there's going to be a drop of disinformation, Russian disinformation, in the near future, so just be hyper alert for it. Didn't have to specify the the laptop story because that would have kind of given the game away in a certain sense. Um, they couldn't they couldn't specify the laptop, but uh, it was the only thing that really happened was the laptop story. So immediately they, these social media platforms uh, were primed to suppress it, and in the end, and of course the, the actual the legacy media as you might call them, CNN, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all jumped on board. Yes. This laptop story, nothing burger, Russian disinformation, there's nothing to it, it's a lie, um, and we have to suppress it as well. So they suppressed it. The New York Times who actually released the story, or New York Post that actually ran the story initially and got the laptop, their, their reporters who got the laptop, they were banned from Twitter yeah. uh, for talking about it. And Twitter at the time banned any mention of it including in direct messages. So like on you Twitter, you share can, links. About it, not, yeah. not just sharing links on direct messages. Yeah, you couldn't share them. You couldn't share it publicly on your account, but you couldn't actually send it to someone via the Twitter messaging app, like from one person to right. another right. privately. You couldn't do that because yeah. I had an algorithm where they would check the link and then you would, that would be deleted. So it was extreme, uh, extreme censorship of a story that they claimed was false, was Russian disinformation, when they had no evidence whatsoever that it was Russian disinformation in order to find out if it was Russian or if it was ha Russian disinformation slash hacked. Twitter had this policy, supposedly, uh, that anything hacked, i.e. gained illegally, could not be shared. Uh, but in order to figure out that, to, to know whether or not this was hacked from somewhere, they would have had to go through a kind of legal process involving the FBI, and they didn't do that. So they had no idea that it was hacked. They started banning it based initially on their hacked uh, protocol. I, if something's hacked, don't share it, suppress it, uh, which was you know so it was false. They had no reason to do that. Um, and then of course Russian disinformation, which was pulled out of the well, kind of dusted off, but it was still ongoing. I suppose at that time in 2020, late 2020, 
uh, it was fresh in the minds of people, Russian disinformation, so they spread that as well. And um, and now yeah, basically that's what's come out. I mean, people knew that at the time. We've known this already. But people, again, you're having... We, well, people who are commenting on we it. We saw this, yeah. People, I think a lot of people, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of conservatives, a lot of Trump supporters sure. who are actively sure. involved, um, they knew that the New York Times uh, story was being suppressed. They knew they saw the media reaction to it. Extreme, you know, well, the media reaction in terms of calling it Russian disinformation. Anything I don't like is Russian disinformation. The interesting thing... So, anyway, yeah. So, basically, Musk has Matt... Tabby, Tabby, uh, who is a kind of kind of muckraker journalist, long term. He's kind of back in the day was a kind of lefty, anti Wall Street bankers and stuff. But to his credit, like throughout his whole kind of career of writing, he's been basically anti Western imperialistic, to some extent capitalistic, but mostly CIA skullduggery, and mm. you know he exposes that kind of thing. So this is definitely in 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 his. In, in, in the ballpark, the kind of things he's been talking about for quite a long time. So Elon Musk basically gave the, the docs to him or give him access to anything he had for him to peruse it. And this guy, Matt Tybee, has been posting it on Twitter. Uh, on a thread he started um, two days ago. Uh, he posted about 30 or 40 different tweets just chronicling what what was going on with screenshots of email uh, discussions between... Um, Twitter execs and also between uh, emails. I don't think any, so far there's none, I don't think, I think there's one from someone in the, in the Democratic Party, a Democratic politician. But basically in one of them there's a discussion between two Twitter execs, one f- like forwarding an email from someone in the Democratic Party. Uh, actually, no, I think they said the Biden uh do you have it? Do you have? I have the whole thread here, but uh, well, yeah. But there's one where they say I'm not sure if they, I'm not sure who they reference, but basically it's because obviously we're talking here about 2020 in terms of the Hunter laptop story. But I think maybe it's later stuff after Biden is actually inaugurated, uh, where they're getting emails from the Biden yeah administration. Saturday, October 24th, 2020. So it's ten ten days, two weeks before the election. Um, it's. There's a screenshot of an email with a link, link of a link of us like five tweets that they don't like. I have to right. be reviewed. Um, more to review from the Biden team. Biden team. There you go. So, so there Biden is administration because it wasn't actually it, they like, weren't in uh, government, uh, but the Biden team. Right. So it's running Biden. for election. We'll get to decide on whether right. they like it or not. Right. So you're talking here really, really about the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and the, the reply, the short reply is handled, handle right. these. So the Biden team, i.e. the Democratic Party effectively, someone within that, some activists within that were sending links that they had seen on Twitter that they didn't like. Uh, one of them was by James Woods, I think. And basically this is just by, by conservatives expressing opinions that the uh, Biden team didn't like and they were sending them to Twitter and Twitter was forwarding them on to someone else on Twitter and the person was saying, okay, handled, i.e. I've suppressed those tweets. So censorship, pretty clear hardcore evidence of a government or a government in waiting and more importantly maybe even the Washington establishment, the power behind any throne in, uh, that's in the White House um, actively not just, not, not even coercing having a hand and glove relationship 
with a major social media platform where it was a given that they could just say, delete these tweets for me, mm-hmm. suppress these tweets, ban this account, and it would done. So Twitter being a being a an arm of the Biden administration. Right. A propaganda now, people arm. have, stu- stupidly, but whatever, we'll let them have their say, they've defended this by saying, hang on a second. This was under a Trump administration that this took place, i.e. it was his government <laughs> who was no, interfering No, it was the here. Biden team. Not the Biden team in that specific email cites them. But what's interesting as well is that um, this Twitter was making decisions about generally how they would treat with this, and they were discussing back and forth. And then specifically, lists of tweets were coming from the Biden team. We don't like these. Can you take a look? Handled. All without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey. Right. That's what's interesting that stuck out for me is the fact that it seems that Jack Dorsey was, you know, he was in some ivory tower and up in, in, in Twitter or not even in, not even at work, nominally the CEO of Twitter. And there were other people like uh, this guy, Yoel, Yoel Roth, this young guy, young gay guy, who was their head of safety or something along those lines, something to do with safety. He he was there for for, for, for uh, he safety. wasn't there for handling the fire as he was, oh, he was yeah he was there for for safety he, Sa- safety of the government well he well, the permanent no, government no no uh, from <laughs> from his point of view it was safety of of the Twitter experience experience people have on Twitter right, right? Um, <laughs> actually we may as well just throw this up an example of the kind of person that you get at uh, at Twitter check this out um, he's a pretty young guy it's amazing that he was. Um, uh, uh, so this is his research and writing. This is his history, basically, his background. Um, if you click on the left one there. Uh, so he's publishing like kind of papers. He has for his PhD, I think. Uh, paper 2017. No fats, no femmes, no privacy? Question uh, mark. Um, um, and then it's... Um, Publishing digital media transformations and human communication. So we all about communication, how people can communicate actively and not actively communicate um, safely and with integrity and honesty. Uh, so this was, I mean, again, it's the kind of example. He's, he's a job's worth. Well, words. well, it's worse than that. It's the whole woke aspect, yeah. the, the liberalizing, the, the like extreme radical lefty. Yeah. You need me because word salad. Post, but in fact, post-modern. I'm going to get in here. And put my stamp on how I help make the world a better place. A better, make it a safer place. Uh, yeah, better for him means safer. Cause, so racism, ageism, body shaming, and femphobia are common tropes in user profiles on gay-targeted social networking sites. Uh, I don't think I should read all of this, but uh, go to the next one. Next page. Um, so basically, he spent a lot of time in Grindr, which is a gay hookup, gay... What do you call those sites? Um, Matchmaking. Yeah, or uh, dating sites. Since its launch in 2009, the geosocial, geosocial networking service Grindr has become an increasingly mainstream and prominent part of gay culture, both in the US and globally. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he articulates a model of networking interact- interactivity that conceptualizes self-expression as an act determined by three sometimes overlapping, sometimes conflicting set of affordances and constraints, technical commercial structures of software and business, cultural and subcultural norms, mores, histories and standards of acceptable and expected conduct, and three socio-political tendencies that appear to be but are in fact not fixed technical commercial structures. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, he's basically going like, 
that's what he's into. It's it's the woke, lefty humanities university degree. Um, you know, women's studies, gay studies, transgender studies, and he has it's it's adjusted for him. It's for uh, the social media platforms where how he analyzes how safe these places are and he had a focus on Grindr because he's gay himself probably spends a lot, a lot of time there analysing different interactions on Grindr and how safe they are and how good they are or bad they are etc etc and this guy is then you know ten, what up 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 upward like top figure maybe 10% of the population is gay but this guy is in, 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 in control largely or has a major part to play in deciding uh, how 90% of the population who are not gay, who are on Twitter, how they should interact with each other and what's safe and what's not safe and what is correct speech and what's not correct speech. It's, it's in, so it's coming it's, from a gay perspective, obviously, is what I'm saying. It's, it's, coming from it's a gay Canada's enforced speech to the back door. It's just that in the United States, it has to happen in this way. Right. It can't just be legislated because of that annoying First Amendment. That's the only reason this is even an issue at all, mm. that there's a Twitter files release that it causes a hula, hoopla, um, that is going to, you know, possibly lead to something happening. I doubt very much, but at least it would, you know, air things out a bit, mm. and maybe Twitter can go forward and be less right. um, sensorial. Mm. That's what you hope, right? Because First Amendment, it's this. It, it all comes back to that because in any other country, this would just not have. It would have been like, like in the European Union now. It's just banned. There's banned speech. You just can't. You can't talk about. It. Mm certain things mm. um, or you, you're welcome to talk about them but you're a fringe you have no um, platform you're not going to have any, any kind of platform you're certainly not going to affect elections right all. so anyway so he releases these documents via Matt Taibbi um, Matt Taibbi does the Twitter we'll put a link in the description people want to check it out because apparently it was nothing t- nothing yesterday but apparently there's part two is coming today and it's Matt Taibbi himself, according to Elon Musk, Matt Taibbi was given just access to whatever he wanted, whatever, you know, all relevant, all relevant information. There's no kind of like, um, like Elon Musk said, that this wouldn't be like a North Korean uh, tour, basically, a North Korean uh, tourist uh, experience. It was, uh, it's basically he was given access to whatever he wanted to look at. And according to Elon Musk, it's just like, this is just the archives, basically, the archive messages that we have on the Twitter system of exchanges between Twitter um Twitter executives and Twitter Twitter employees relating to censoring of information on Twitter, censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. Um, and and so he's gone through that process. I don't know how long it's going to last, if it's going to be several days of, of these tweets, basically, tweet dumps with screenshots, like like we were just saying, of um, of these kind of exchanges. But, I mean, the bottom line is, that's just... <laughs> put this one up because I mean it obviously extends to um, extends to Facebook as well uh, and that's been something again we've known about Facebook arguably worse than Twitter in terms of censoring uh, wrong speech wrong think Um, Mark Zuckerberg obviously you know being a bit of an ideologue uh, but he's on record as having said um in terms of the Hunter Biden laptop story, more or less what I said earlier that, and it was the same thing that was said to Twitter execs, I'm sure, although they, they haven't been public about it, but he, he's pretty pretty open about it, that the FBI came in and said, this is going to be Russian disinformation. Nix it. Um, 
you know, one of the threats that the FBI uh, has alerted our companies and the public to was the possibility of a hack and leak operation in the days or weeks leading up to this election. Uh, so you had both the public testimony from, from the FBI um, and in, in private meetings, um, alerts that, that were given to uh, at least our company, I assume the others as well, that suggested that we be on high alert and sensitivity that if uh, a trove of documents appeared, uh, that, that we should view that with suspicion um, that it might be part of a foreign uh, manipulation attempt. Uh, so that's what we're seeing, and I'm happy to go into more detail as well if that's helpful. We relied heavily on the FBI's uh, intelligence and alerts to us, both through their public testimony and uh, private briefings well, and alerts did, they did, gave us. Did the FBI contact you and say the New York Post story was false? Senator, not about that story specifically. Why did you throttle it back? They alerted us of a to be on heightened alert around a risk of hack and leak operations. And, and is, is that also your answer, Mr. Zuckerberg, that you have no information at all to indicate that, that Russia was the source of this um, New York Post article? Senator, I would rely on the FBI to make that assessment. Um, and over the last four years in particular, we've built closer uh, partnerships with law enforcement and the intelligence community to be able to share those kind of signals. So we're, we're doing more of that, including in the case that you mentioned before um, around the, the attempted uh, kidnapping of, of, of Governor Whitmer. Yeah. We, we identified that as a signal to the uh, FBI. So basically what he's saying is that, you know, Facebook and Twitter and well, mainly Facebook and Twitter as social media platforms that, you know, there's public discussion on any number of theory on any topics, are heavily infiltrated by intelligence agencies in the U.S. and controlled by what, what appears on those uh, platforms or con is controlled by intelligence agencies. And in this case, and in other cases, uh, ongoing till, up until today, um, it's not about... The, obviously, that's a made-up story. The FBI and other intel agencies in the U.S. fabricated the Russian interference in the 2016 election and 2017 election, or 20, 2020 election, or potential interference in the 2020 election. Luckily, they didn't have to go there because Biden won, right? So anybody, interference in the, Russian interference in the 2016 election was proven, has been proven to be completely false. It was a completely fabricated, made-up story by the intelligence agencies. There was no Russian involvement in subverting in any way the 2016 election. It was the will of the people that voted Trump into power. Um, but despite that, and he's talking here just, uh, he's talking here after three or four years of the Russian Russian uh, interference hoax that had, at, at the point that he's talking there, it had been proven to be a lie, proven to be a fabrication, but he's still taking information as legitimate from the same intelligence agencies that fabricated that story uh, as legitimate. He's taking that information and running with it. So somebody who's proven to your, who, who has proven to you that they're liars and that they're able to craft massive, uh, uh, fantastical stories that gain traction all around the world, but in fact are completely false. He's taking information from those same people about the same thing, which is Russian disinformation, i.e. the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian dis disinformation. Um, so it's bizarre. Uh, what would possess someone like him to continue to not have the basic scepticism, you know, and for his own personal credibility and the credibility of the platform? 
why he would continue to do that unless he himself is ideologically on the same page. Yeah, in Zuckerberg's case, that's clearly the case. I mean, he, he, he gave hundreds of millions of dollars in donations. Right. Supposedly to the, to the smooth running of the 2020 election, you right. know, uh, drop-off boxes for mail-in ballots and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but there you see... It opens way out. He, that's impartial, right? He didn't just give money like George Soros does directly to the DNC. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's just to the election infrastructure, you know. Yeah. But any kind of reasonable... Well, it's, it's, a, it's, on, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a fact that most mail-in ballots come from Democratic Party supporting right. people. So, um, Yeah. Here, here's an example just for reference back in the, in the day um, at the time the Hunter... Biden laptop story, what the media was, uh, how they were covering it. Um, there's Clapper on CNN. To me, this is just classic textbook Russian, Soviet Russian tradecraft, <laughs> Soviet Russian tradecraft at work, said former director of a national intelligence, James Clapper, uh, as authorities are investigating if recently published emails are tied to a Russian disinformation effort, at, effort targeting Biden. This is, they created a whole tapestry, a whole narrative, how Russia... Putin, Trump, Trump going to, if you remember, going to Moscow, hookers, peeing on beds, the Steele dossier, uh, people involved with Trump, with, with Trump in America having, you know, dodgy connections in Russia, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that, you know, that Putin and Biden, were, Putin and, and Trump were working hand in hand. They created an, a complete story, you know, it could have been on Netflix, basically. If, you know, um, and then he... Uh, he, he, you know, they they, they propagated as, as a as a way, and of course, the the goal ultimately was to um, just put up the other one. There. The goal obviously was to uh, prevent Trump from. There's another one. And political Hunter Biden story is Russian disinfo. Dozens of former intel officials say dozens of them, except they were all wrong, and it's not they're wrong. They lied. Yeah, but the the stark raving mad thing about all this is that no one has actually said that this laptop and its contents. A, are not that man's, Hunter Biden's, and B, that they're manipulated or fake in any way. No, they've, they've said it's the opposite. Just, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and a bunch of others have all said that it's, it's, it's authentic. The emails yeah. are authentic, and therefore the, the laptop is authentic, and it is Hunter Biden's. Yeah. That's done. Yeah. So people know all this already, right? They know that the laptop story, uh, it's admitted officially by mainstream Western mainstream media uh, news outlets that... The laptop was Hunter Biden's. He dropped it in because he's a crackhead. He left it into a repair shop and forgot about it. He himself is on, 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 he did an interview saying, when he was asked about it, he said, yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's mine, maybe it's not. I don't know as far as he went. <laughs> and, then, and then he said, uh, and then he says. It's uh, Russia's. <laughs> no, but then, no, but then he said, at one point, the guy said, well, how are you, is it yours? I mean, how, surely you would know if you, are you missing a laptop? Don't know. He said, you know, I spent four or five years there. I spent three or four years there not really taking very good care of my personal possessions. <laughs> that's what he said. I mean, so, that's clear from the contents of the laptop. Right, right. So, the, and the, the thing about the laptop is, is that it, um, well, there's two things about the laptop and the contents on the laptop. Um, this is um, maybe, is really the, the the main uh, the main 
issue to come out of, out of it, which is that Biden... Well, it's not the main issue. It's one of two main issues. If you go to the laptop itself, the main issue about the laptop is that it reveals, you know, to any reasonable person that when he was vice president under Obama, um, Joe Biden was using his position as vice president and his son was using his father's position as vice president to get paid more money and get paid money and more money by energy companies, basically nepotism, cronyism in Ukraine, using his daddy as vice president. So it's abusive office, abusive of the power of the vice president by the vice president himself because he undoubtedly was aware of it and, you know, uh, his son, basically, you know. Uh, mm. So, I mean, that's not strange in politics. It happens all the time. I mean, there's a whole scandal in the UK several years ago about cash for questions or, you know, members of parliament in the UK were taking cash from people, businesses, lobbyists, whoever, different interest groups, were, and they were, they were giving politicians money in order for a politician to stand up and ask a question, simply ask a question that was favourable to the person who had given them the money. So it's paying for political access, basically. Exactly. So, so it's not strange. This is common as muck in politics. The problem is not Trump. The problem is Trump didn't, did not do that. Right, and when you air the dirt on the other side, and you don't have equivalent dirt on Trump, mm. then it becomes a problem. That's why it only ever gets out about one side because the other one it's to his or her advantage because I'm clean. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that was that one. The one that one was um, that one was smoking gun reveals Hunter how Hunter Biden introduced Ukrainian business plan. Businessman to his VP dad, and this one is a bit more explicit. It's uh, Hunter Biden emails show leveraging connections with his father to boost Burisma pay. Now, Burisma is a Ukrainian energy company that uh, Hunter Biden got got a consultancy job with him. He's been paid something like forty or fifty thousand dollars a month, and it was. Um, and I think part of it was, well, that's not enough. I want more, basically. You know, the thing, the thing is, we didn't even need this laptop. Um, it was already clear for a couple of years that this was a suppressed story, and right. there was piles of evidence for it already. But there's no hard there were evidence. were already whistleblowers yeah. in, during the campaign. Um, what's his name? Giuliani, the mayor of New York, yeah. but who interviewed people who had been business partners with right. Hunter Biden this, and had documents, went to Ukraine, got evidence, got the dirt, the oppo dirt, right? Mm-hmm. It was a done deal in any normal circumstance. Mm-hmm. There was already a throttle story and suppressed, and it was already being talked about for years. Right. But there's no um, hard evidence, right? It could be clear. This that was the. This should have been. This should have been the coup de grace. Yeah. This should have been like that's it. The Bidens are done. I mean, now you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the laptop. Hope, story. Well, we'll have to see it. No, 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 not this. The laptop story. Right at the time, but it was suppressed. But it was suppressed by the media and twisted and distorted, and they got away with it basically. And but they're going to get away with this too. But not only get away with it. I mean, just to be, be clear, I mean, there's evidence of of cronyism and corruption. Biden, Vice President Biden, using his position in office to enrich himself and his son. Uh, with through corruption in Ukraine, which is interesting that because it, it's all really linked to the, the war in the Ukraine war, today. Yeah. But this the second one is the direct the, the direct uh, impact it had on the election, right? So was there did did, uh, did did the suppression of this story about Hunter Biden's laptop and his father and, and their cronyism impact the outcome of the election? Because it it was it was the story was the story broke uh, a short while before. The, the actual election in, in 2020, in November 2020, and it was suppressed. Very few people apparently got to see it. It was suppressed on social media. It was suppressed in the media. It was not only suppressed in the media, but 
dissed in the media. Mm. And everybody was told that it's not true, it's bullshit, this is Russian disinformation, and i.e. therefore this is Trump trying to hurt, using his friend Putin to try and hurt, hurt Biden, blah, blah, blah. But there's a poll, uh, just throw that one up, this uh, 79%, so there was a poll done that almost 80% say that a truthful coverage of the Hunter Biden laptop would have changed the 2020 election. I don't think so. Uh, but, well, the thing is, you, 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 you may or may not know that. It right. doesn't matter. The thing is that this was interference in an election, and that, in a certain sense, is justification enough to call an election null and void. Okay, legally, yeah. It's not a fair my, election. My, my skepticism is that despite 100% saturation of negative media coverage against Trump, in the run-up to 2016, forget the four years of Russiagate after, in the run-up to 2016, hmm. he won. And it seemed that the further they piled on Trump, the real underlying dynamic, the way it translated into the actual election result of 2016, was that if this had been 2015 and a Hillary Clinton laptop story from hell had been suppressed, it would have had the opposite effect. Americans would have seen the censorship, enough of it. They talk about it enough among themselves. Despite the media could have sat, they could have twisted it into Russia, they could have just obliterated from the internet as they did in 2020. Mm-hmm. Delete all links, all iterations. But it would have had the opposite effect, I think. So... Uh, it would, uh, uh, say, explain that to me. It would I, have had I that. think if you censor a story, there's already a trend where they're 100, they're 100% pro-Clinton in 2015, 2016, and uh, 100% anti-Trump. And if there's been a censorship story issue at all, right before and as a laptop from hell for Clinton, it would have had the effect of increasing, not suppressing, support for Trump. Yeah. We're already in a different dynamic. So this being said, oh, gosh, you know, 80% of who, probably of Democrats, voters in, I don't know, New York, might have considered not voting for Biden in 2020 if Mm. they had known that this was not, in fact, Russian disinformation. I think it's like whatever that poll is, is... snapshot of the population is taking, I think in general, the overall effect would have been the opposite. That would have given more... More support for Trump. For, for Biden, you mean? No, censoring something on Biden's behalf to protect him to support his campaign would have had the paradoxical but actually logical effect of increasing Trump's support. So you're saying it did have that effect, probably, since it was censored? Um, of, of increasing support for Biden? No. No, I'd, I'd say it would have increased support for Trump. By censoring the laptop story, yeah. So Censorship you're saying in that that's First what, Amendment. So you're mean, saying if it had come out that it had been censored, if all this had come out before the election, no, the act of censoring it two weeks before the election, yes, can only have helped Trump. Um. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They're saying oh. it it helped Biden. Well, because it's, because it's, they're they're taking a, a poll snapshot of whatever. Whatever well, their sample is. And they're saying, hmm, we would, gosh, if we had known those facts, we would have had a clearer political opinion to form and we might not have voted for Biden. Yeah. No, but, well, so, no, but, the, but there's a lot of people in the middle, let's say, or people who would be, you know, who can be swayed. I don't think at that point, even in 2020, I don't think it was completely divided between the two camps where everybody was locked into their positions and it didn't matter what anybody said one way or the other. I think there was at least a significant number not a majority or anything, but a significant number of people who could have been swayed about a revelation if it had been addressed properly by the media that Joe Biden had, going back six, seven years, had a history 
of nepotism, cronyism and abusing his power as vice president and that it was unimpeachable evidence. Yeah. And do you want to vote for this guy now? Do you still want to vote for this guy? Okay, I'm put in a hard position because that means I have to vote for Trump when I, when I was going to vote for, for Biden. So it's like never Trump. You might, have, you might have had a lot of people just saying, okay, I'm not voting for either of them. I'm voting for nobody. Um, or already, voting for an independent or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe of that middle ground, but I think people were so divided. But, but then there, not much was up for grabs. Uh, there, were, there weren't much, you know, mo- uh, independence, undecided left. Mm. Uh, really, because by then, since 2015, several times, the infamous video of Joe Biden himself boasting while in Ukraine at a conference that he said to someone in charge there, if you don't do what we want and fire the prosecutor general mm-hmm. who's in the middle of looking into Burisma, among others, American companies that involve kickbacks to me personally, he didn't mm-hmm. say that part, but no. that was figured out easily by Giuliani after mm-hmm. this infamous video. If you don't do what we want and fire that guy, you're not getting a billion You're not dollars. getting $5 billion bo- dollar a billion. tranche. A billion at five. the time. A billion, okay, in, in your next aid delivery. And then he's like, well, why you know? Oh, my God. They fired him. <laughs> I mean, that was a household. Not everyone saw it, but lots of people saw it yeah. for years beforehand. Well, did, yeah, maybe. So, you know, was there a shocking revelation in 2020 that was suppressed that might have swayed? Uh, hmm. I think I it depends think so. on the, the amount of coverage it gets. You know, obviously the media didn't cover that video either. It, 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 it's about the media's uh, messaging on how, how much they amplify the messaging and how much they don't, how much they downplay it, you know. It, I think it would have had some kind of an effect and who knows, but that's the question, like we said earlier. The question is, you can, it's reasonable to, to assume that it would have affected, negatively affected, let's say, to some extent, to one extent or another, the turnout for Biden. Would that have been enough to allow Trump win, to, to win? Who knows? You're never going to know. But it means that the election was compromised in terms of it being the will of the people acting on uh, yeah. as much information as possible about two candidates, you know, about who, which one they're going to pick. When you have a big part of, when you have a big kind of dirt story on one of them and nobody, very few people get to see it, I mean, you have to call an election kind of a, uh, in that sense, null and void. Did I give you that one there, Scotty, Mother Jones? Just stick it up there, will you? Um, this is Trump, anyway, this is Trump's response to this Twitter business of the, the, the revelations on, on Twitter. Um, I should scroll down a little bit. Of course, the media present this as Trump's attack attack on the uh, well that one's not too bad but the rest of the media is uh, presenting as Trump's attacking the constitution and that's the end of it for him the Republicans have to get rid of it just scroll down to the Donald Trump uh, tweet on or whatever it's called in Truth Social he wrote this in Truth Social today I think or yesterday so he says, with, so with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies the DNC and the Democrat Party do you throw the presidential election results out of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want or would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Of course, he's absolutely true. He's absolutely correct. Uh, what he says there is true. And, but, of course, this is, again, an example of the way the never Trumpers or the, the, the establishment media respond to these kinds of things. They take that and say Trump just called for the destruction of the Constitution. That has to be it for him. This is over. Right. You know, totally take what he said out of context. Because I mean, technically, I mean, 
the foundation of the Constitution has to be free and fair elections. If you're not having free and fair elections, then the Constitution is essentially null, null and void. And any rules or regulations in the Constitution are, are, are okay. null and void, yeah. So, um, I guess you. So it, this is um, very much something that it's worth for them to hit on, to, 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 to highlight and to use. But justifiably, like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, Musk seems to be going, uh, you know, it's interesting to see who who are these people who are supporting, you know, this kind of thing, this kind of like suppression of information. Is it just these gay guys, like the gay or super lefty woke young people on on Twitter and, and, so, and, and Facebook and stuff? I mean, where's the left in America? You know, the traditional left, the ones who always had problems with America going overseas and their imperialism and overthrowing governments and staging coups and all that kind of stuff. Where are they? People keep talking about the left, and this is lefty, lefty policies and lefty rhetoric and lefty, lefty agenda, but I'm like, that term left didn't mean transgenderism, you know, woke politics, postmodernism, you know, cultural Marxism. It didn't mean that even 10 years ago. Anybody who said they were left-leaning, a big part of their ideology, their political ideology and belief systems were, you know, it's obviously very much oriented towards, you know, um, creating more peaceful, anti-war, peaceful societies, you know, peaceful peaceful globe and, and internally in societies, you know, civil society, um, et cetera, et cetera. But a big part of it was anti um anti-American, they quickly identified aggressive uh, governments like the American government or the, the British government or other, particularly Western governments, you know, waging wars of aggression, wars for oil and all that kind of stuff. So where are those people and what do they think about what's going on? Because like Elon Musk just posted uh, this um, yesterday. <laughs> he's, talking about, so he's talking about tweets and then he says, I've seen a lot of, a lot of concerning tweets about the recent Brazil election. If those tweets are accurate, it's possible that Twitter personnel give preference to left-wing candidates. So not just about subverting elections by suppression of information, subverting elections in the U.S. by suppression of information. It's, he's suggesting that Twitter's reach, to the extent that it's global, that the same people, the same ideologically driven people in Twitter in Brazil, I suppose the Brazilians working in Brazil, or maybe it's overseen by Twitter HQ in America, who knows, but that they have, you know, they're applying the same kind of tradecraft in other countries, in this case, Brazil. 100%. So where's the lefty outrage? Because that's basically uh, a social media uh, arm of the CIA, basically, right? Because the CIA would usually go and, and, and overthrow governments that it, it didn't support or, or, or interfere in elections in Latin American countries. Kind of do that on the ground mostly, and you know, they'll do it. They yeah, have a hands-on approach now. It, it, it install the proper candidate. Yeah, the left one. Who did? Yeah, Brazil. So that's kosher, right? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, ah, does it? No, you think they not do it on principle? Well, it doesn't matter who you overthrow. They, they're not doing it on principle. Well, they used to. Mm. No, because oh, people were against it. Decades past, overwhelmingly, it was for a left. The suppression took place, and the subversion took place to keep out a left candidate. Because he was anti-colonial, usually anti-Washington, yeah, exactly, anti-war, yeah. Yeah, yeah. workers' rights. Yeah, but that's all changed now. So it was, yeah. Well, maybe 
But I think, I mean, they'd have to be very cynical people to not, to be able to, 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 to agree with, I mean, you either agree or disagree with it on principle, not on what the result is. I mean, you're subverting, you're interfering in other people's. And I mean, I think for at least old school lefty types, like in terms of like, for example, the, the, the coup in, well, that was, Ch- Chile was, uh, what do you call him? Um, what's his name? Allende. Yeah, Allende. That was obviously he was he was booed by the CIA in favor of Pinochet, and um, it, it that, that 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 you know fit with their lefty ideology. But um, maybe more recently, what about Gaddafi? Was Gaddafi lefty or right wing? He was <laughs> left, but after four decades of calling him a murderous tyrant. It left the impression in most people's heads that he was a far right dictator. Right, right. But similarly in Venezuela, so in Venezuela it's, it's more murky. Trump was on the wrong side from the left's point of view in trying to stage, gave the okay to a coup against a lefty leader. Um, and it was interesting watching that <laughs> that discussion in the United States take place because they were confused. Whoever Trump hates, we should support. But it's Maduro, who we should also support because he's lefty. But he's also suppressing his own people. So the, the their, their heads are messed with. Mm. Or they can no longer distinguish anymore between what is fact or fiction mm. about what's taking place in another country. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I have the impression that, I mean, at least traditional lefty anti-war uh, stance is against any kind of imperial interfering in other countries left or it doesn't matter what you know left or right because it's based on at least for you know dyed in the wall true blue smart intelligent whatever uh left leaning people they understood that those kind of interventions invariably caused or very often caused massive death and suffering or significant death and suffering among the population, and very often embroil the country in a kind of could embroil the country in a in a civil war, short or long term, and that's why they were against it. It wasn't necessarily about remaking the world in our image, but rather they were the focus, the thrust of of the anti-war rhetoric was anti-American and anti what America does around the world. I mean, that's my understanding. I, I, certainly, that's where I was coming from, and that's and I, you know, found a lot of kindred spirits. Oh, you know, years ago, who, who held to the same idea that they were anti-American. They, they, it was doesn't matter what's going on in that country, or what you think is going on in that country. Leave them alone, you imperial warmonger, because you're just causing death and destruction when you anything you touch. Um, but I, I, I accept that those people, like myself, are a dying breed, and uh, we've been uh, replaced by clown shoes people, who or it's really all about them. Not so much about what's going on with other people, but it's more about their own personal needs and wants and beliefs projected onto other people. Yeah, yeah. There's been a, a transformation of the West in the last few decades. You can see it in the World Cup in Qatar, um, when teams, their sponsors, the government um, agencies that you know support their campaigns and their arrange their flights and everything to to go play in the event take mm. part. Make, like the German one, they make sure that the airplane itself is just has woke messages on the side, um, mm. that the German players participate in a kind of protest of sorts while they're there, while participating, mm. um, to send a message to Qatar that they're backwards 
um, mm. not as uh, humanist, hu- human as we are. We're more human than you are. You ought to be more like us, mm. even as we're here as guests in your country. Mm. Um, while that was happening, it turns out that the German government was trying to negotiate with Qatar an increase in the supply of gas yeah. to Germany. It was not was negotiating that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at the same time, and it failed. But people... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, trade more with us. We, we need your support here. At the same time, we're going to slap you in front of the whole world yeah. for being backwards and, and not as humanistic and awesome as well, we are. It's arrogance, it, imperial arrogance. It's imperial arrogance. It's, it's a Western, it's, it's a perennial problem, especially with modern Westerners. Yeah. Um, can, can we... Um, do, yeah. Are you going to go on, uh, move on to something? I just want Elon Musk is... is this, this is going to be interesting. He's waving a red, a red rag, basically, at the CIA at this point um, and the intel community, in quotes, the deep state. Um, another tweet from yesterday, today, actually. I'm not expressing yeah, an opinion, but I did promise to conduct this poll. Do you have it? you got to keep those. you got to stick those ones up. Oh. Um, I got it here. Should Assange and Snowden be pardoned? Uh, two and a half million votes at this point. Click on yes there, Scott. Overwhelmingly, of course, it's yes. Um, so, yeah, that you may as well be just, just saying, you know, <laughs> target me, you know. I, he's aware. The, the, the interesting thing is he's – oh, also the Fed. He bashed the Fed. Um, it reminds me of what Trump was saying. Trump, in campaigning in 2015, was bashing the Fed and said they're, they're raising interest rates when they shouldn't and vice versa. He uh, must have the same thing yesterday. Um, in replying to someone else, but you know he has influence. People follow him. Um, the Feds need to cut interest rates immediately. They are massively amplifying the probability of a severe recession, implying between the lines that um, the Fed is willfully creating a recession in the United States. Um, does he know what he's doing? I hope so. Well, for his sake, um, he was uh, on a podcast yesterday, I think, um, with a bunch of. Big accounts, yeah, on Twitter. Um, maybe play this. this is just a minute of him answering uh, a question about his uh, his safety. Did you get it? No. Nope. Yes. yes. Okay. Not sure if we uh, still have the stream. Something strange happened, and yeah, I just saw that the chat has stopped. But anyway, yeah, I got a lot of blue screens. Elon Musk says his assassination risk is quite significant. <laughs> Frankly, the risk of something bad happening to me or literally being shot is quite significant. I'm definitely not going to be doing any open air car parades. That was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, at least he's aware of it. Maybe he should up his security and stuff. And yeah, don't do any open well, more than open air car parades because I'm pretty sure they won't repeat a JFK on you it'll be in some other way if they decide to but uh, yeah do you want to play it or yeah go ahead um, no I mean if, frankly the risk of something bad happening to me of even literally being shot is quite uh, significant I'm definitely not going to be you know doing any open air car parades uh, let me put it that way <laughs> um, but it's also not <laughs> it's not that hard to kill me if somebody wanted to so hopefully they don't and uh the face smiles upon the situation well, with me and does not uh, security. that does not happen. That, um, I'm not thinking reasonable proportions, I guess, but but uh, it, there's definitely some some risks here. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think we all just want to have a future where, you know, we're not oppressed or our speech is not suppressed and, and, and we can say what we want to say without fear of, of reprisals. Um, and, um, you know, as long, as long as you're not like really causing harm to somebody else, then you should be able to say what you want. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that he says that because, I mean, he and nobody else is under any illusions about who he would be under a threat from, right? By exposing this, he's exposing skullduggery and collusion between Twitter platforms or our social media platforms and the establishment, essentially, the Biden administration, the Biden campaign at the time, uh, the DNC, the Democrats, intel agencies, the FBI and others, probably. So those are clearly the people who would have a grievance against him. And then he links that to the assassination of JFK. Yeah. So he's not talking about Lee Harvey Oswald here. No. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, okay, so stream's still going, but there's no chat for some reason. Anyway. I have another one. Can we just... I know yeah. <clears throat> we could... But there's a couple more. Like, Go on. He is like the news at the moment. For me, he's currently the lightning rod that Trump was mm. four or five years ago. Uh, Musk is basically now the leader of resistance. In such, such as it is. Such as it is, I know. But he is, he's, he's intrepid, and yet he's aware, self-aware, as we just saw, that he can be assassinated at, at any point or stopped physically in some way. Um, this is something that this speaks to his idealism, and uh, I think it's awesome. You know, This is... If you put that last tweet up, this is basically what we conceived of, or not us personally, but uh, someone we know when they started Signs of the Times well, net 20 years ago. Which tweet, Elon Musk or Daily yeah. Wire? <clears throat> not Daily Wire. Um, <clears throat> so the way he sees things going and where he ideally likes to take Twitter is the intelligence of this hive mind, that's obviously his AI thinking on it, will improve significantly as signal-to-noise ratio Effective cross-linking of tweets and speed of tweets all improve. He wants to create something that would basically be, whether he realizes or not, an inherent threat to the quote-unquote rules-based order. Right. Because you would have a multi-million participation. Maybe it's only limited to multi-million. I know right. there's 8 billion people, right? Yeah. Who cares? But if you have this focal point of saturation truth point, the system instinctively, it seems, knows that that's a problem and it must be mm-hmm. derailed, Divided up, uh, whatever, uh, suppressed, and it may, maybe not in, in any physical way to him. He doesn't have to take out him for it to happen. But yeah. he knows what he's doing. Is he vaguely self-aware? He's vaguely sentient, right? Of where he would like to go with this, mm-hmm. and that is, we have some some experience with this because that's kind of what we hope it is or saw signs of the times doing. It would concentrate views from all over the world. Um, news from all over the world in a way that was never being done by any mm-hmm. one media uh, mm-hmm. or one, one source, one platform yeah. where people could come well, and discuss and see a global picture. They could discuss things in detail. They could bounce things off each other. They could, it, with each other's networking <clears> cooperation, <throat> refine the signal-to-noise ratio. And, and not, They didn't know how it might happen, but we just knew that that could potentially have nonlinear effects. Mm. And he's starting to realize that's what he could use Twitter for. Mm. Um, well, it's not really a radical proposition. What he's really talking about, 
but it's radical. It's radical. The fact that it's radical. It's radical in a hypocrisy. Well, exactly. In these <laughs> times, it's it, and that's it's an example of just how bad things much be, must be, where something that he presents, which is effectively, you know, open source information, the population, at least some of the population, whoever chooses, having access to a platform where there's free and open discussion on any and all topics, and things can be discussed and debunked or looked into and questioned or verified or... or voted or down, voted vote, up, exactly. locked out of the room like or... Basic democracy, freedom of speech yeah. is radical. Oh, yeah. In times so of universal deceit, telling the truth is right, a revolutionary act. Right, so you can get a read on how bad things are in the world in general because it tends to kind of just progressively get worse and worse and you normalize it as time goes on so you don't really notice it, but you can get a wake-up call by recognizing the fact that someone talking about simple freedom of speech, a freedom of speech platform is seen as a dire threat and the person who's suggesting it explicitly says that he might be killed for it. That's the country you live in in America. That's the, con- that's the West right now. I mean, that's a commentary on Western democracy and Western yeah. government and the freedoms in the West. If there's no freedom of information, there's no freedom. Everything else stems from information. Yeah. If you don't have that access to relatively open access to information, then forget about everything else because you're always going to be, well, you're just going to be fed lies and your minds are going to rot, basically. Um, and you'll be, you can be led down any path that the, that the authorities uh, choose. Go ahead. One more Musk item, Go in on. case anyone, lest anyone think we are, you know, just blind fanboys. Yeah. What do you make of this Neuralink obsession of his or side project? I don't even know what it is. I haven't even looked into it. Scotty, um, microchips in the brain to uh, upload our they, consciousness um, to the Democrats. Do you know what it is? Uh, Neuralink? Yeah, he wants to, like, put chips in people's heads and they can control stuff and it's like, yeah. Like control control the temperature of your freezer or something with your brain. Yeah, you can. That's do, awesome. I, I don't know what <laughs> so the plan is, but there was there was kind of some hullabaloo because uh, everyone was talking about it. Like, yeah, this is the future. Elon Musk is a genius, and then suddenly there was a story, which was kind of unconfirmed. I think that uh, they were experimenting on monkeys, and the right. monkeys were like suffering horribly and dying, yeah. and all this other stuff. And then I haven't heard very much at all about it since then. Mm. So that probably means they're. They're probably carrying on, but yeah. Okay. Somebody in the chat there said, Joe Nell, I think you riled up a few anti-Trumpers in the comments who are upset that you dare discuss this issue. Uh, yes, there's a... Here, let me uh, let me get the, the, the chat window. When you guys started talking about Trump, uh, there was someone named Kenneth DeCosta who posted, Drop It!, uh, just out of the blue, like, stop talking about that because I'm offended. And then uh, then John, someone named John Pierce said, Trump is a piece of shit human, mm. and then followed up with F you. Uh, and, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, that, that was pretty much it. And well, sh- see, shortly that's thereafter, an interesting uh, evidence. the chat died. Okay. So the chat died. Maybe, well, maybe the drop it guy was like from the CIA. A hacker? The, he's a Russian, he's a Russian hacker. Um, but, uh, the thing I is, it is hard it, to defend Trump, at least in some respects. But the, the issues here, we're not talking... People... There's some people, and a lot of people, I think, that you simply can't talk to. Because they're talking at a completely different level that, 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 than you're talking at. We're talking here about broad, macro social, global dynamics. And they want to say orange man bad. 
they want to focus in on the you know uh on the minutia on on trump what trump said here there whatever you know and i mean yeah i mean fine people that's free speech there you go you can you can say drop it you can tell us that we should shut up about trump and and, and trump's a piece of shit and stuff but it's like call you know call someone so calling someone a poopy head is not an argument you know what i mean especially when we're not talking about yeah. the 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 qualities, the personal qualities of an individual. We're talking about, like you almost said, Alan, 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 Alan Trump, Alan Musk <laughs> was a lightning rod. Yeah. Right. So, so these individuals simply play a role. Yeah. And the role that they play uh, provokes a response yeah. from the authorities, and it exposes the nature of the system in which you live. Hmm. That's what we're talking about. Individuals, in that sense, are are irrelevant except that they are, are lightning rods or are they the, the, the catalyst that allows for an exposure and an opening up of, of, of the details of the, of the pulling back of the curtain uh, on, on how this entire system actually works. And that's what we're interested in because it's, it's from that top-down level that all things happen. So anyway, <clears throat> some people don't understand that and they can't get past it. So, well, fine. Fine, then don't vote for Trump. <clears throat> vote Kanye West 2024. Yeah. And I mean, politicians are ignorant as well. The politicians would say Trump, Trump, orange man bad as well, the average politician. I don't know how much they know, but just throw up that Daily Wire one, the Daily Wire tweet. This is Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I don't even know if we have to play it. It's 28 seconds. But the text is, she's interviewed by Fox News and she's, she's asked about uh, Musk's changes to Twitter. And she says, uh, this is, so she's a Democrat senator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one human, she says, one human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. That's not how it should work. That's not how it works, or worked past tense. Those, those well, tw- Twitter files revealed that Jack Dorsey did not know. He was not in the loop. No, but, a whole bunch of people in well, various rooms were openly conspiring. But metaphorically, in a certain <laughs> sense, metaphorically, in a certain sense, it was one person Metaphor, or a very right. small number of people, a small group yeah. of people. Now, that's exactly what was happening. What she says Elon Musk should not be allowed to do now is exactly what Twitter under Jack Dorsey, although he wasn't involved, his underlings were doing mm. back then. So she's happy for that to happen back then, but not now because ideology, because yeah. politics. So it's got nothing about to do with the truth. She's not interested in the truth. She's got some other ideology, which is my way, my vision of the world is the only way to go. And there's half of the population who don't agree with me. Well, fuck them. They're, they're the deplorables. They're flyover The country. Constitution doesn't apply to them. They're fl- they're fl- and so these people... But this, the weird thing there is that those people... Are, she's supposedly a lefty. She'd have her Jonathan Heights kind of like um, care foundation, care taste bud. They're primarily motivated by care and concern and safety, like this guy, uh, Joel Roth, mm. uh, who worked at Twitter. He was going to make Twitter safe for all the gay people and everybody else, supposedly. <clears throat> so the whole thing is supposed to care foundation, care for other people, and let's not hurt anybody's feelings, etc., etc. But these people are... Their, their actual attitude when they express themselves is pushing America and maybe other countries who, who follow suit towards social division, like civil war, let's say. Hmm. And where's the care in civil war? Where's the safety in civil war? If, if the Democrats push it to this point where they're going to suppress half the, pop, the voice of half the population and cause an uprising in which maybe millions of people die in some kind of civil war, civil, civil conflict, how does that serve a care foundation? How does that serve a safety foundation that, that, that their primary kind of like constitutional um, makeup or their, their, their personality makeup impels them to want 
to protect people and make place safe for people. But what they're actually doing is dissing half the country and potentially leading the country into a civil war. Which, so it doesn't, that doesn't a, make sense. It's actually an argument for why they should never be in power. Right. They can't handle it. But that opens up another can of worms where you're like, yeah, free speech for all, but actually no. <laughs> there yeah. should be censorship, right. but in the reverse. Mm. Um, and and that's, that's the practice. Uh, the new Twitter is going to have to confront. It's already doing so. It has already censored, explicitly removed certain people. Yeah. Because like you said in your explanation two shows ago, um, if you're having a discussion and everyone's bringing their point of view to it, if there's just someone there and their only purpose is just to wreck the discussion, right? not to add to it, not to um, counter it, yada, 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 it's just to wreck it, they cannot be in the discussion or right. the whole thing will. They will succeed. Um, ironically then, in the free, the free speech absolutum, absolutism is, which is currently in the headlines in this discourse in America, well, maybe we should, you know, they're, they're desperately trying to uh, water down the First Amendment of the United States. Yeah. Ironically, that is what should happen. But there are some things, and some people especially, who should not be anywhere near a platform. They should not be promoted, let's say. Not promoted, but... They should not be in government. Thorny. They that's should not be in a position to censor others. That's the crux. Well, they shouldn't be in government. But at the level of, of free speech, that gets into... That's a segue into Kanye West, and um, he was recently on Alex Jones as well, but as people probably know, Kanye West is a bit of a looper. That uh, means a kind of crazy person. He's, I think he's a narcissist more than anything else, a raging narcissist. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me that given the background in, in the music industry and Hollywood and stuff and married to Kardashian, that he's a raging narcissist. He's in it for the, the money he, or for the fame and just for attention because, I mean, some people say he's bipolar. He has been on meds and all that kind of stuff, but... That's a very thorny issue, you know, when someone... Yeah. Are they bipolar or are they just pure narciss- purely narcissistic? I mean, it's it, the line blurs type thing, you know what I mean? And both yeah. of them go on meds. Or both of them potentially can go on meds or whatever, you know. But, um, so he's been on meds. He came out on... Um, he got banned on Twitter. So, not no absolute free speech on Twitter. He got banned again after just being let back a few weeks ago he was banned by Elon Musk and Elon Musk defended the fact that he banned him because he said something what did he say on Twitter something about Nazis uh, anyway people know a shtick about the Jews right he claims the Jews are out to get him and he's yeah. been saying that the Jews are controlling this and the Jews are you know messing with his banking messing with his his career and his that, meds even yes and his personal trainer who's a, a Jewish Canadian guy who was working in um, kind of uh, kind of uh, he was a psych- psychiatrist or psychologist of some description, and he was working um, on the development of kind of psychotropics and kind of stuff for like basically military. meds for, for the military. Anyway, he was his personal trainer, and he posted um, a, a, a message, an SMS that he got from him, where the guy was basically saying, "Listen, can you can either just ship yourself up, or you can be recommitted. You know, what I mean, you can take your meds." Or you can go back into the... Zombie land. Z- go back land. to zombie land yeah. and never see your kids. Right, never was, see your kids and again. The, right. and he got a lot of support, traction, right. yay, when he posted right. that. Um, but the next thing he's talking about the Jews, right. again, <clears throat> okay. But then, I mean, there's a progression here that's kind of... It's a bit freaky uh, in terms of how it affects the, the political sphere, right? So he meets Trump for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. Apparently it's... Uh, a re it was uh, the second iteration of an invitation they had planned to meet before that who knows when anyway it got 
uh, on Thanksgiving Day itself, he goes to Mar a Largo, flies in in his jet. He's got Milo with him. And this Nick Fuentes, Trump has no clue who Nick Fuentes is, right? Um, neither did I until this. Nick Fuentes is 24 years old. He's a nobody. But somehow, for some reason, the system, in, uh, the media wants you to believe that this is, is definitely a somebody. One of them's a raging anti-Semite. They say, that's Kanye West. And the other is a raging white supremacist, Nick Fuentes. So the headlines go, Trump Mar-a-Lago meeting with white supremacists and anti-Semite, right. which is just a gift an absolute gift to uh, the media to the point that the GOP's Mick, Mick McConnell said, Mitch McConnell, um, basically Trump, uh, he, did, he didn't say he, we will not allow him to be, but he pretty much said the uh, Republican Party has no room for white supremacists or anti-Semites, which gives me a hint that that's may, maybe what they're going to beat Trump with mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. This may be the first of several stunts because I have flashbacks to Jeremy Corbyn and the way they set him up with being an anti-Semite, which is, you know, absolutely farcical in his case as well. Right. Um, supposedly, a, tr- a lawyer of Trump's called him in the- while the dinner was going on when he got wind of it mm-hmm. um, to warn him that it was a setup. Anyway, the media starts going with it. Then Ye goes on Tim Pool podcast right. and immediately wants to start talking about the Jews. And Tim Pool's like, well, we were going to talk about the news. Okay, you want to go straight there? Okay, yeah, let's have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gets up and he walks out. Apparently, someone who was there said, as he was, Ye was storming out and down the stairs and out the building, uh, when they tried to plead with him to maybe calm down, come back, have a discussion about the JQ, um, Ye was like, no, I came, I came, I came here and, and did what I needed to do. Whatever the hell that meant. Next thing, he's on Alex Jones' show. Right dressed in some kind of gimp outfit. Like, you can't take that seriously, for starters. It turns out it's got yeah. deliberately wearing... It's a product from this Balenciaga high-profile luxury items company that is in the news for a different reason. And he makes a point of wearing a mask from some gimp sort of all just head that? mask. And, you know, the headlines are his, his a meltdown on Alex Johnson for wars because he doesn't just say... Um, I hate the Jews. He says, I love Hitler. Or not, I love Hitler. But like was he Hitler. such a god, bad guy? He said, know? I like Hitler. Or Hitler. He, had good arch- he was a good architect. And him and, invented highways. Him and Nick Fuentes both said that they like Russia and they like Putin as well. Well, they throw that in for good Nick, yeah. right? And same thing. You know, I don't know. I don't know actually how that played out. Did he storm out in the end? Or no, it was, it was just, fine. It was didn't fine. Storm, no, We're not going to play any of it because it kind of went viral and people have probably seen already. But look, have a look at this video. This is a video one of their people took on the way to hmm. um, this is some footage they shot on the way to the Infowars um, yay interview can you call it that rant a big thing I want to do is like hand the phone to Nick, to you, and of course to Alex, and have you guys tweet from my phone. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and free Ollie. I need to go to a store and get some form of a net. I think a small net could work, and I have to get an actual Yahoo so I can show up a net and Yahoo. Yeah. What's up, bro? Not in Yahoo. I'm super excited. I'm glad you're going to get it before we go live. 
shut up and then just roll with it. And uh, so I look forward to seeing you, man. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you also. Ollie, you're too serious. You're like a Karen. Also, but, too political. But it's not funny enough. I know, but I want you to have fun, and I don't want to worry. Nick's not worrying. We don't need warriors. We need warriors. Mm. I think it could be a thing that maybe when I when I do Alex Jones, I do I wear a net. I mean, not a net, but I wear a mask. I had an idea of you tweeting from my phone, from, on my account. Okay, so it goes without saying that they are not serious political voices in anything in the United States, or they ought not to be. And this whole 2024, apparently that's what he went to discuss with Trump at Mar-a-Lago. He was going to invite Trump to be his running mate in 2024. Trump probably went, okay, I thought he were here for like business advice for me or whatever. Get out. (laughs) Um, So that goes without saying. But I think we can also add to that that this is not a meltdown of a celebrity figure. The guy's LARPing. Yeah. He's having a laugh. Yeah. It's, It's a LARP. So, um, but had, it he, is he, weird. But he makes he tries to make some serious points, right? He try, he comes across he's making serious points. So is that still, is that still larping? You know what I mean? And especially when he touches on, you know, you know, abuse and 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 you know when he's pro Trump and all. I mean, is it just all pure for the fun of it? He's not serious about any of it, or does he have any serious opinions? Things I don't even care. You no. know I mean, I'm not interested in knowing whether Kanye West... Neither do I. We shouldn't even be discussing anything yeah. except for the headlines it generated and yeah. the gift it gave to Mitch McConnell to say, that's it, Trump. You're not allowed... You're not playing... You've broken the House rules. Mm. You're not playing in the game next time. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid that's where this is going to go in the next two years. Um, while this was going on, the first of the January 6th prisoners was convicted, actually, this week as well, right. um, on seditious conspiracy, guilty... Seditious conspiracy. I know it's actually it's actually a charge that goes back to the Civil War. It hasn't been used since then. Wow! Interesting tell from the judicial system that they realize that this is what they're basically the same kind of climate they're handling at the moment. Um. Yeah. I. I Trump. <laughs> is he that naive? <laughs> I don't know. Why the. Like it's more a lago, you know. Why well, he wings it? Like that's the thing. <coughs> he's part, kind of person who wings it. He he's not part of. He's not part of the you know political establishment, or he wasn't and still isn't. I suppose never really took to it and doesn't have the whole network around him of how you know telling him how to act, what to say, who to talk to, who not to talk to, all that kind of stuff. He just does what he wants. He's, he's like, I make my own decisions, and he just he just wings it. Like he's he's very naive and and, and childish yeah. in that way. It's not. I'm not saying that in a certain. And in a different set of circumstances, it wouldn't be okay. It probably wouldn't be anyway. But uh, certainly in, in the current uh, political and in, in the existing long-term U.S. political climate, that's not how you go about about things. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, he's in hostile territory. You know, so yeah. for him not to be aware of and uh, taking precautions uh, for, for for that kind of uh, for that kind of negative exposure that could just be dropped on him. Well, the, the tragic comic part of it is that Trump was telling Fuentes at this meeting, supposedly, Axios got a kind of a breakdown on what was discussed. Um, Fuentes was complaining to Trump that they preferred the old Trump from 2016 
who just, you know, fired, mm. shot off from the hips on everything. And he, Trump was explaining to them that, no, this time I'm going to be doing it more, you know, by the book. I guess I'm more of a politician now than before. Mm. Uh, I've got advisors and, you know, we're just being cautious, cautious. That was the content of what <laughs> Trump was saying mm-hmm. to them. But he was telling, it's like he was revealing the inner, his, he was being truthful and honest to the wrong people, mm-hmm. you know, and just the act of being at the table with them. Mm-hmm. was going to get him in trouble. So. Yeah. So that's the shit show that is uh, American politics. Um, it's serious and at the same time a clown show. It's, that always surprises me when I, when I take stock of the fact that I would always thought that when something, when you know, democracy was in, in, in crisis or the American political system was in, in, in crisis and people were, uh, you know, there was civil, civil discord in, in America, that it would be very serious. But it seems to be as serious as it is, it's also typified by uh, a thick layer of clownishness across the whole top, the, the top of it, you know. Um, where it, it's almost like I hesitate to, to think that America would ever have the wherewithal, like the seriousness, to actually engage in some kind of civil, civil strife or civil war because it's, it's such a the whole thing is such a joke in a certain sense where, where the problems with the system and the lies are so obvious and transparent but no one responds to them. People just kind of like, you know, the most people do is kind of get on Twitter or get on Facebook uh, or other social media platform and rant about it. That's it. That's as far as the outrage is going to go, which is pathetic, you know. Um, so you have to you have to suffer through uh, this show, this performance of democracy, of freedom and democracy, of America being this wonderful place where that stands for the rights and freedoms of everybody across the world. Um, when if you when when you know that that's not at all what American history is about, and that's not at all how the American elite operate, and you know that the American elite are probably some of the most corrupt elites or, or politicians in the world, and uh, there's some there's not even tacit acknowledgement of that fact. Uh, by a majority of the American people, and yet it's staring them in the face. Yeah, it's a farce. The whole thing is a farce, and you have to just look at it and go, "When is this going to end?" But then, in summary, how can this keep going? Yeah, um, the maybe one item that captures the whole of shit show in the United States is from last week is this Sam Brinton transvestite. Um, uh, he's he's in charge of America's nuclear waste. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, baldy guy. Baldy guy wears dresses. Um, uh, arrested at Minneapolis airport for stealing luggage from a carousel that was not his, a woman's luggage, and using it for a month. He was arrested and charged last week with theft. Well, he'll keep his job, right? <laughs> he'll keep his government job. His nuclear waste job. And just... just Keep working from prison. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Yeah. So, in other news, what else is going on around the world? Not much. Uh, I suppose we can touch a little bit on the Russian. It's actually a small book. Uh, I recommend people read. I'll just give you the. Um, it's only eighty-eight pages long, but it. I would recommend it for. Um, it's called. Uh, How the West brought war to Ukraine. Here's the cover. 
discovered by a guy called Benjamin Abelow. He's a, an American academic, basically, not very well known, doesn't have a Twitter account, so he's nobody. Um, otherwise, brought the war to Ukraine, and it's only eight pages long. And if you know anybody who, you know, is at least, I know there aren't many of them, but at least partially open or hasn't fully decided about, hasn't, hasn't fully dis- come down on the, hasn't swallowed all of the, all of the lies and narrative um, about, how the what's happening in Ukraine, how it started, why it's happening. Uh, this is a really good short book that anybody could um, could digest. And here's kind of the central thesis of it is 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 this this next bit. It's um, I'll just read it here. For almost two hundred years, starting with the framing of the Monroe Doctrine in eighteen twenty three, the United States has asserted security claims over virtually the whole Western Hemisphere. Any foreign power that places military forces near U.S. territory knows it is crossing a red line. U.S. policy thus embodies a conviction that where a potential opponent places its forces is crucially important. In fact, this conviction is the cornerstone of American foreign and military policy, and its violation is considered a reason for war. Yet when it comes to Russia, the United States and its NATO allies have acted for decades in disregard of this same principle. They have progressively advanced the placement of their military forces towards Russia, even to its borders. They have done this with inadequate attention to and sometimes blithe disregard for how Russian leaders might perceive this advance. Had Russia taken equivalent actions with respect to U.S. territory, say placing its military forces in Canada or Mexico, Washington would have gone to war and justified that war as a defensive response to the military encroachment of a foreign power. I know it's a, a fairly standard, it's, you know, US-Russia 101 for people who, you know, for perspicacious people, people who understand reality and history, but it's just very well written and very well laid out and it's very short, 88 pages and it's not big, it's not a big book or small text or anything like that. So um, just as a as a, a tip to anybody, you can get it on Amazon, anybody who... Um, it's cheap. It's like ten dollars or something like that. Um, you could send it as a Christmas Christmas present uh, to anybody you've been having arguments with, maybe. Or well, if they're Slava, if they're Slava Ukraine, forget it. But they might be amenable to yeah. If anybody who's got even a chink open, you know, right. in the, in their their mind is ajar to some extent. Um, We've been wondering on past shows. Where it'll end, the Ukraine war. Um, mm. The former head of the Russian space agency, Dmitry Rogozin, mm-hmm. uh, he quit his post or he ended, ended it by mutual agreement to volunteer um, in Donbass, specifically as a kind of a technical officer. They're hoping to coordinate engineering responses, you know, mm-hmm. what, what they need technologically with drones. Um, EW electronic warfare and stuff like that so that's interesting in itself but he gave uh, an interview with that was published on Ruckley um, it's not in English though I've only seen an English summary of it um, anyway the gist of it is this isn't going to end until we take Kiev yeah well on that point I don't think it's gloating I think that's the result of yeah. the whole years well I think we talked about this on, on, yeah. on, on, on previous shows maybe just last week or the week before where it's not it's not a poss- It's not an option right now for for Russia to simply end. Like I, I suggested that uh, at one point a few shows back that maybe you know technically if Russia uh, were to just you know 
roll up the roll up the carpet and go home and keeping a force in the areas that it has already taken that that would be enough but um, that they would have won they technically would have fulfilled their mandate which was to protect the people of Donbass and um, and Crimea protect Crimea uh, both of those regions are effect, you know pretty much if they if they were to maintain troops or sufficient number of troops and, and equipment there they would be able to protect those two regions but they would be prolonging the war in that respect they would be continually for the foreseeable future they would be under renewed attacks by Kiev so that practically speaking if they don't want to have to have do a kind of over a, and over and over have a like a frozen line basically where yeah and do it over and over where periodically they would come under attack or renewed attack if they if they don't want to have to do that um, then they're going to have to yeah like fulfill the, the broader mandate which was the full demilitarization or the Russians say denazification of Ukraine, which by implication is is Kiev. You know, it's a change of government in Kiev. Um, and on that point, uh, just throw that one up. This is from the Russian embassy in the UK yesterday. According to Putin, Russian armed forces have long refrained from pinpoint strikes at certain targets in Ukraine, but now such measures have become unavoidable and inevitable to response in response to Kiev's provocative attacks against Russia's civilian infrastructure. So this is um, a recent missive from... I think that I've heard that uh, that's what he had stated in response to a question from uh, the German Chancellor. Uh-huh. So wh- wh- why are you hitting Schultz? Yeah, why are you hitting civilian infrastructure? Yeah. And he said, he's ju- Putin justified it with, we've refrained thus far, but now that you know they've started blowing things up, like yep. the bridge and so on. Right. We, we so it's to. explaining the attack on the on the infrastructure and, um, but of course that's a kind of half answer in a certain sense because the attacks on the infrastructure on the energy infrastructure in Ukraine have direct military implications as well. So they're military targets effectively, um, and it looks like they're going to continue. I mean, the the, the conflict itself, it's in winter now. Um, it, you know. The general consensus seems to be that it'll it'll slow down and, you know, take a few months to just go slow over the winter, basically. Um, although not without, you know, continued movement in one direction or another. But I think, you know, that may be the case, but it may also be the case that there may be something in the next few months, over the course of the next few months, where a more a more decisive more decisive action is taken towards the goal that you just mentioned there of um, taking Kiev. Mm. Russia has announced they're going to double defense spending next year mm. over this year's amount. Yeah, and Did that's I say double. No, I'm I'm saying an increase of fifty percent. Right, and that's indicative of a of a an awareness of it of it being a, a, long, a longer war. Yeah, you know? an upcoming need for a whole of next year. Yeah, um, the von der Leyen. Um, it's a bizarre story, you know the her. Staff tweeted out a statement from her lamenting mm. that 20,000 civilians and 100,000 Ukrainian officers have been killed thus far. Then took it down, re-uploaded the tweet, at which point people have seen it and copied it mm-hmm. and compared them side by side and just removed that phrase. Mm-hmm. And people are wondering what happened. Did Washington say drop that or did our own people think better of, of admitting that? The thing is, it's not even a full admittance. Admission. It seems, because the Russians say their figure for the number of officers dead on the Ukrainian side is 480,000. Dead or injured? Oh, is it both? The mix? Okay. 
Anyway, it's not 20,000 civilians either. I think she overstated that. Yeah, and under, uh, understated. understated. And yet even but that was still, too much. it was too much. Because you're, you're giving a, a realistic picture. It's in the hundreds yeah. of thousands. Well, that's the information war that we're in. You know what I mean? The yeah. suppression of, I mean, the suppression of information on, on social media and in the media in particular is is not obviously nowhere, and in no way limited to to the election on Hunter Biden's laptop and, and you know, the 2020 election, etc. It's across the board, you know, it's on everything. Yeah, and uh, self-censorship. Von der Leyen did an issue, said yeah. it, then she thought better of yeah. it and said it. Of course. Like we said before, it's, it's in, particularly in the context of war, it's justified as being a big part of the actual war campaign is to lie, tell lies, repeat lies over and over again as part of the war effort to demoralize the enemy and to keep the morale in, in, in your side up, you know. So... People shouldn't get too uh, hand-wringy or pearl-clutchy over, you know, when they find out that someone's been lying, especially in the context of, of, of a war, uh, because that's the way it's always been in war. It's a mainstay of war is disinformation, lies, deliberate lies, and, you know, by official sources. Official sources will officially lie, and they will feel morally justified in doing so. And, of course, that's the extent to uh, the lies told about, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop and the people at Twitter covering up and lying about it and the FBI lying about it and the intel agencies lying about it and then fabricating stories about Trump. They see themselves at, at that point in their minds they're in a war for their positions, their ideology in America and Trump, they saw Trump as a threat to that. So it's a, it was a war as well. So there's, a war, there's all sorts of wars going on all the time and they're not kinetic wars necessarily, you know. Well, how does this play into it? Um, Spanish police rule out Russian involvement in letter bombs. Hmm. Authorities reportedly suspect a single person was responsible for several explosive packages sent to multiple targets in Spain. Mm-hmm. So six kind of letter bombs, I guess, or parcel bombs yep. so were sent last week across Spain. Um, it's funny how the targets were like the Ukrainian embassy. Mm-hmm. The Amer- was it the American embassy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ukrainian embassy in Madrid, the American embassy in Madrid, um, an arms factory, some Spanish, I presume, in Zaragoza, a satellite center uh, at an air base. Mm-hmm. That's not six, but okay. That's so far. I mean, what's going on there? Like, You that's can see how that's obviously meant to tee up blame for Russia. Yeah, it's a false flag. And the false flags are okay now. False flags are legitimate. They happen. Remember? Right. Uh, since the start of the war, uh, the US, uh, the Pentagon itself, the Pentagon spokesman, has said that false flags, Russia carried out false flags. Of course, any reasonable person would allow then that other countries carry out false flags. And um, this was Yuki's, probably based on the nature of the right. explosives and stuff. They're pretty the crap. Uh, obviously, <laughs> the, 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 they were designed to, yeah, fly a Russian flag. The idea that Russia would do that is ridiculous. Um, so it's obviously when I saw it, I was like, "Oh God, get out of here!" Like, yeah, get out of my face with your. Because uh, initially it was before this, this is likely to be Russian. Right. Putin did it. Putin sent those letters directly to those uh, places in Spain. He probably packaged himself. He probably was at home and just made up some crappy uh, uh, explosive devices, you know, and, and and just wrote the letters and sent them, stick them, he put them in the mailbox himself. Probably. That's the nar- that's the that's the level that some people actually talk to you about this stuff at and I'm just like dude isn't there a different planet that you could go and live on because or is there a different one I can go and live on because we really don't talk the same language I mean 
We don't have the same <laughs> brains. It's, it describes these uh, bombs. Authorities have revealed that all the letters were very similar and delivered in identical brown envelopes with a trip wire and explosive material that can be found in firecracker shops. Exactly. <laughs> <coughs> Listen, that's Ukrops. That's, that's the Yukis. That's, that's Zelensky's people. That's as good as I get. They were basically like bangers, you know, the black cat bangers. Yeah. And when you open it, it'll go off. Yeah, and, and, and maybe like... And you'd be terrified. A, 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 you get some abrasions on your fingers. Um, you said nothing else is going on. What about China? Dude, Ten, there's ten, a revolution. Ten. You've not seen yeah. the news. It was all Didn't over we Twitter talk last week. That? No, that ha- that happened. Like, it happened while we were doing the show. The protests were mm. kicking off last Sunday, and Monday into Tuesday, Twitter was, "Oh my God, all the revolution is coming to China!" Yeah, and then the media in the West, the scurrilous media, including in particular CNN, started to uh, say, "Oh, this is fantastic! The Chinese people are rising up against harsh COVID measures and brutal lockdowns." Yeah. Where were you fuckers in 2020? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, apparently the revolution's over, though. And, uh, uh, yeah, the communist regime is still all-powerful. And apparently the thing that's... And still plotting the West downfall. Apparently the thing that, that sparked it off was the death of uh, a few people in a, an apartment fire. Right, did you look at that? Yeah. Okay, it was, uh, it was 10 people. I, I mean, the media's made it sound like a 1,000 people yeah. melted to death. I don't think it was 10. Four, I heard. Okay. Anyway, um, and the story was that it was because, I mean, someone put it out there because uh, the, of COVID lockdowns, uh, the, the building was shut. The building was locked. Right? They were welded into it. Right. As, as supposedly the Chinese are doing all across China, they're welding people's doors shut. Are you going to tell me that's not? That's no, news? apparently it wasn't the case. And oh. it was because, it was because of the cars. The car they were, they were first, I think it was actually maybe something to do with protests. So it was actually the protesters that effectively called it because the protesters had blocked the street with cars. What were they protesting about to begin with? They were protesting probably about, to some extent, lockdowns and other things uh, in it's, general. It's it's Muslim China. Right. And uh, they had blocked the streets and uh, the fire engine couldn't get to the building. Ooh, I was enjoying that fake story. Yeah, yeah. It was well, going to be a revolution. Sorry. Sorry China was going to become democratic. Yeah. And Steve Bannon was going to be flown in to become the advisor to the new president. Or the president. He was going to be flown in as the president. Right. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that happened at the same time as a Foxconn protest. Foxconn being a Taiwanese company yeah. that abuses workers, which everyone remembers because they were killing themselves 10 or 15 years right. ago. Foxconn... In the place where the protest is happening, it's a protest over workers' rights. Right, okay? salaries. Salaries. It's apparently like one of the last few places in China where you can still, you know, grind people to death for almost no pay mm-hmm. because everywhere else has developed their basic worker rights standards and fair pay, you know, for work and hours and overtime and all that. And Henan province is like one of the last where you can still do a China on Chinese people. Mm. So... Foxconn, what's going to happen here? Foxconn's going to have to leave and go to... America. Yay, America. <laughs> America or like somewhere else. Yeah. Bangladesh or America, something. Yeah. Because um, they're always seeking, you know, maximum profit for minimal costs, right? right. Taiwanese the company American being way. an American-type company. Um, so that happened simultaneously. And then people kind of conflated the two. There were real protests, though, and there were in a number of cities. Um and they were protesting zero COVID. Some of them were, and some, and, and, but the, it was to do with the zero COVID as imposed by local governors. 
overzealous local governors. So to, to try and tie this, we talked. I don't know if we talked about this, but you know, China's one point five million people. Imagine sitting in a country. Billion. Okay. Sorry, one point five billion people sitting in a country and knowing that they're one point five billion people in that relatively small country, smaller than America, is it? I think it's about the same size as America. About the same size. One point five billion people. So five times the American population, give or take. Uh, and you're in the mm, three thirty. Four and a half. Three thirty million. Yeah, four and a half times. Okay. Uh, and that amount of people, I'm thinking that look at look at the diversity, let's say, or the diversity of opinion, and and the, the distance, uh, the, the the psychological distance that people feel in America from like Washington D.C., someone down in Mississippi, or someone over in Texas, or somewhere you know very far away, two three thousand miles away, you know. I mean, multiply that by four and a half, you know, uh, and the amount of people, and the idea that there's a central government that's ruling 1.5 billion people is a joke. That's why there are local governors, and local governors have a lot of authority onto themselves, you know. So some of them take uh, the, the the COVID thing uh, a bit too seriously and go over the top. But you know, and it, that, but those protests, fair enough, they they seem to have caused the and, uh, Chinese government, yeah. the central government in Beijing, to put out a messaging to say, listen, chill the fuck out <laughs> to, yeah. to these particular areas that were having pro- that were protesting. Yeah, their, their kind of special health committee, whatever the equivalent right. we saw in the West of Fauci, and, yeah. um, made a point at their latest briefing of, in front of the cameras all taking off their masks right. while they read out the right. latest figures and right. how the progress we're making. But still, it doesn't it bugs me still that China's is has zero COVID policy at all, whether yeah. it's centrally mandated or not. Yeah. You say oh. that's pushed off on the local governors, but come on, remember, this was the only reason they went into lockdown in the first place is because this was a biowarfare response. Yeah. That's, that is military intelligence. That is the top, top, top people who decide yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. And zero COVID is a continuation of that, right? whether it's locally only or, or, or nationwide. It, it's well, it's not nationwide. I mean, there's no lockdowns in Beijing or other major cities. No, but there was Shanghai in uh, yeah. May this year. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember how extreme that went? We don't know. We have to wait and find out to, to try and find out, uh, figure out what was actually go- what is actually going on there in terms of the Chinese, you know, official Chinese government political thinking as to what benefit uh, there was to taking that approach to to COVID and taking it, you know, continuing to take it up until recently. Um, it may be, but that would get into a whole COVID discussion, so we don't have time for that. But. We've talked about it before to some extent. So, um, yeah, and I empathize with you for, you know, I know you like that story and you thought it was going to be a revolution and stuff, but it's, <laughs> it's an interesting point. But um, I, I well, more and more, more... Tell me more of the Westerners. Yeah. About like, well, we, we collectively, as a hive mind, mm. as uh, Mr. AI would say, mm. um, seem to be unconsciously primed for we want it to happen people are willing something to happen to, they want to china in china well not just china but anywhere in the world right. they have this take on everything that happens in the world and it's this hysterical over-the-top dramatic uh, uh take that they have on these things and my conclusion i've recently been reframing my kind of perception of the whole thing and i my my current one now is and i think it's more realistic is that most people i don't take anybody serious anymore and i don't think not even me. No, and I don't take, especially you, and I don't take... What about Scott? No, not, no, not Scott either. Because human beings, and I see them all over, if, if social media participants are, you know, a good uh, reflection of the average kind of human being, then most of them are in it for the shits and giggles, and they don't really care about these issues. The issues that they're talking about that are so 
so large and so large so large scale beyond their ken in a certain sense, but they feel that they have to comment on them and it's like they're like what for them it's like watching a movie and they want it to be dramatic and they're waiting for the dramatic thing to happen and they want the dramatic thing to happen and if the dramatic thing isn't happening then they imbue the story with dramatic connotations and talk about it in those terms. They hype it up basically because they live boring lives. Uh, they're they're on they're not they're not entertained enough and they want they want drama and I mean that's that's fairly that's a fairly basic commentary and true commentary on on human the human condition in general like everybody now and again wants uh, a bit of drama and a bit of excitement in their life to make them feel like they're alive and because otherwise it's fairly mundane and, and humdrum right so that's what happened so I have to filter all that out. And I go, okay, that's an interesting anthropological view I'm getting there of what's going on, but what's actually happening? That's separate from what's actually happening in the situation that these people are talking about in this exaggerated, hysterical way. Uh, unfortunately, things, in keeping with the humdrum nature of life, things are, tend to be much more humdrum and mundane than uh, the way people talk about them and report on them. Although at the same time, they are big, important issues. They're, they're issues that need to be talked about, and they do have impacts on people's lives, but... The vast majority of people, particularly in the West, are in very comfortable positions where they're in a position to talk about this in this way because then they can just like close down the computer, walk away and go and have a mocha choca uh, pumpkin latte and watch and then binge watch Netflix and forget about it all, right? Right. So if things ever go really bad and there's no more Netflix, like it really gets bad and there's no more Netflix and no more mocha choca lattes, then you might listen to their opinions. Then they'll be more apt to talk about real pragmatic things mm. that are problems for them and they'll be more open to actual solutions that actually need solutions because right now they don't have any problems. Most people most people are talking about. You notice that all the poor people in Africa and in, in third world countries, the few billion that are living on, on, below the poverty line, they're not much on Twitter. Like, Although a few of them are, but they're trying to get money out of you. <laughs> <clears throat> Facebook, yeah, yeah. Be so, my friend, be my friend. Yeah, there'll be no. a, there'll be a change. There may be a great reversal rather than a great reset. A great reversal, or a great level, or let's say where everybody gets to experience what it's like to live below the uh, below poverty the poverty line. line, and then Twitter, Twitter ranting on Twitter will be the last thing in your on your mind, you know. Yeah, um, the only other thing I'd just say is the price cap, Russian oil, hilarious. Thought it was hysterical. Europe, Europe agreed a price That's tomorrow. Ca- price cap, yeah, starting tomorrow. Price cap, price cap on Russian oil, sixty dollars. Won't pay any more than sixty dollars for a barrel of Russian oil. Russian oil is currently um, trading at sixty nine dollars, so it's a horrible, drastic, extreme nine dollar cut. Nevertheless, Russia said, "Go fuck yourselves." <laughs> at sixty nine dollars, and not only that, but well, it's not only. I mean, <laughs> technically, Russia could say, "Okay, sixty dollars, fine, nine dollar drop," but that's going forward and what if it goes up to $100 yeah. then we're, paying, we're still only getting $60 no we're not taking that hit in our revenue but the they Europeans, said it was a range yeah it would, it would flow it, the cap would it would up. always be at least 5% below 5%. so 5% basically nothing but still Russia's like on principle go fuck yourselves and anyway uh, Russia has to take has taken measures in response to this because Russia said no you, be, you pay the price that we the market value for it and um, the Europeans, European countries are saying no. And not only that, but any, it's basically sanctions. Anybody who uh, buys, they're not allowed to buy. European companies that own tankers and insurance companies that insure, insure them 
are not allowed to ship Russian oil at the market value. It yeah. has to be at that $60 or 5% below the market value. Yeah. Um, so Russia has basically bought in the past... They knew this was coming because they've been talking about it for months. So yeah. they've been buying, like they bought a fleet of more than 100 tankers, bought or repurposed a fleet of 100 tankers that they own. So they don't have to use Western-owned, Western-country-owned uh, tankers or ins- and, and they'll insure them themselves. And so they can continue shipping oil to... 100 tankers? Yep. Whoa. So they can continue shipping. They can basically... Because right now, Russian oil is shipped, a lot of it is shipped in by tankers owned by European countries and insured by European countries. Apparently that's going to be under threat. So, okay, we'll use our own tankers that we've just been buying and we'll insure them ourselves and so we can continue to sell oil to, okay, you guys aren't going to buy it because you're not going to pay the proper price, but it'll go to China, India, uh, and, and other countries. This has been talked as the EU-Russian oil price cap, but isn't this Washington's doing? Yeah. It's just, yeah, well, it's... Surely it's just the EU on its well, own. Do you know well, what it is? It's isn't hilarious the, isn't the US it? also going to enforce this? Uh... Maybe, except they don't really buy them. They don't really they don't buy, buy directly it. Russian oil, although they buy it indirectly. But That's it's nice. all a bit of a joke as well. It's in keeping with the whole clown show nature of the business. Like they're buying Russian, repurposed Russian oil or, or rebadged Russian oil uh, still. So the whole thing is a bit of a joke. But what's really funny about it is that the real reason that they're doing this is because European countries themselves spiked gas and oil prices, energy prices, fossil fuel prices, because of their sanctions on Russia, because they stopped buying them and they pushed the prices up, right, uh, as a result of, of those sanctions. So the prices now are too high and they think they're going to go too high. So for them to continue to buy, they, they want to still buy it. They want, they want to still buy it. It's, a, it's an attempt to buy Russian oil at below market value prices because they themselves were responsible for pushing the prices up. So they right. want to bring them down now. Right. We want to be compensated for the mistake you, Russia, caused us to make. Really? That was actually articulated by the German government this week. They're seeking in a court of arbitration, not sure, WTO, I don't know who, who they go to. They're seeking compensation from Gazprom right. for the gas prices right. going up too high this yeah. year. It's, 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 it's <laughs> you made us do it. Yeah. Now you're going to pay yeah. for the excess we have to pay for your... That we've inflicted on ourselves, yeah. I mean, such... Oh, my God. And you chances. notice von, von der Leyen specified seaborne Russian oil. Right. Because there's, ga- there's still oil pipelines that right. physically yeah, delivered. Yeah, sure. they, they won't be touched. The right. EU will be... Everyone else who depends on it being shipped by sea yeah. more than the e- European Union does will, yeah. will, will have to pay the price here. Yeah. It's, it's and yet European countries are still talking about energy, like electricity sh- blackouts this winter. France is talking about them. Germany is talking about it. Switzerland is talking about them. Uh, potential energy or electricity blackouts this winter as a result of their policies that they imposed willfully to cause these, effectively cause these blackouts because of their their sanctions. Uh, again, clown show stuff. We man. know what the Russian response to this was several months ago. They said, that's it, you're not getting any of our oil. They told them, go screw yourselves. Yeah. Let's have a look now at uh, what they said yesterday. Um, this is, scroll down to Mikhail Ulyanov. He's Russia's representative for some consortium, oil consortium in uh, Vienna. There, uh, there. Up. go up a bit. Uh, yeah, okay. there. There's a response. Russia's permanent representative to international organizations in Vienna, Mikhail Ulyanov, says, quote, from this year, Europe will live without Russian oil. Moscow has already made it clear that it will not supply oil to those countries that support anti-market price caps. Wait, very soon the EU will accuse Russia of using oil as a weapon. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. That's what they with gas. Uh, they say, we're not taking your gas anymore, Russia. And then Russia says, okay, you're not getting any. And then the EU says, 
How could you do such a thing, not giving us any gas? But but you said you didn't want any. That's not the point. <laughs> and OPEC Plus is threatening to cut output again. Yeah, but that's to show the price up. Price up. That's the Saudis. The Saudis aren't, wouldn't be happy about this. Because, like, I mean, it's obviously not going to have any effect on, on, on global market. They're trying to limit it just to Russian oil and Russian seaborne oil and stuff. So it's, it's to appease the Saudis. But because beforehand they were talking about, about a cap on uh, you know, all Russian oil pipelines as well, you know, which it would be a lot of oil production, which means that in, th- in theory if Russia agreed to that or was forced to agree to it, um, or if other countries got in, got got on board with that and started saying, "Okay, Russia, listen, you have to sell us at at, at this low low price," uh, the Saudis have to match that price, and the Saudis take a big hit to their income. Then, so the Saudis not happy, and they but and when you talk about the Saudis and OPEC, you're talking about Russia as well. Yeah, so they conspire together to basically go, "Listen, uh, any attempt to reduce the price of oil and cut our revenue, we're going to cut the production of oil and increase the price, and then screw you." And of course, the, end, and the problem for all that is the is the the end user, you, me, all the billions of people around the world who have to pay more for their, mm, more for their home heating oil, more for transport, well, more for everything, industry, uh, all industrial food, production, everything. food, everything. That's where it's going, and it's going to take a while to get there. But just you have to watch how things go we're, the next we're next few months. There. Cost of headline from BBC: Cost of living. People in Cardiff, Wales, quote eating pet food. Yeah, I'm sure there's not many eating pet food. One or two, maybe. Do you think they're sensationalizing? Like <sighs> clickbait? Drama, 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 man. Okay. They probably found a couple of people who were eating cat food, and they'll probably end up that they were actually cats that they mistook for people. Because they mistook for... Uh, cats tra- cats who identified as humans. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or people who, had, who identified as cats. Um, yeah. Anyway, anything else? I gotta go. I got stuff to do. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, you had enough? Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. And don't forget to like this show wherever you're watching it on. Uh, And we'll be back next week with another one. Um, Keeping you up to date on the clownish shenanigans that's been going on between now and then. So until then, have a good week. See you later. Thanks for watching. Bye, everyone. Can't stop the signal now. Mm